Merry Christmas Crossings. I get to say something every week, and I'm going to say it again uh, in this service, uh, because some of you may not know uh, this church that we just prayed that God would allow us to impact 200 people 30 years ago. And uh, he laughs so hard, I think, and nights like these, but days like these. But I get to welcome others who are joining us right now, and so I want you to help me do that. I want to welcome those who've gathered at Edmond, out at Covell, and Kelly, those gathered at the Bethany Children's Health Center. We're uh, especially praying for you. It's nothing more challenging, I think, than trying to be with a kid when they're really, really sick, when they have serious health problems. We're thankful for the community center and clinic and uh, the Oklahoma City Chapel, a venue, a sanctuary, and we also are thrilled that our Christmas Eve services will be shown in all 22 prisons in the state of Oklahoma. So we're very thankful, thankful for those joining us online, and uh, it just is hard for us to fathom, but we're glad we get to do it. And so let's welcome all these folks to uh, the Crossings family. I've had the privilege of being in all of the rooms, and one thing that I have, I'm so thankful for is in every room on every stage is filled with people who serve, they're volunteers, they share their gifts, and they do some amazing things. And it's funny that people ask me all the time, all the professionals we seem to have, and they're pros, but they're doing it because they believe every word they're singing, every note they're playing. And uh, it's a big family, and we're thankful for it. C.S. Lewis, uh, Lewis once said that, if, that Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance, the only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And I think Christmas is a moment when we must decide what do we believe. I think Christmas and Easter come along and we have to take a huge step of faith and believe something that's impossible humanly. But I believe it's true, and I believe it's the only way it could be done, and it has been done. I don't think a lie could live this long. And I assure you, if that's a lie, I've wasted my entire life on a very manipulative, expensive experiment, and it is all for nothing. I don't believe that for a minute. Christianity of false is of no importance, and if true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it can't be is moderately important, and that's why we celebrate a Savior that was born of a virgin. Truly now, scholars really around the world are not questioning whether Jesus was here. They're questioning, was he who he said he was? And I think the evidence is equally as effective in that area. I want to read to you the Christmas story starting in uh, the book of Luke at chapter 1. Many have undertaken to drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us from those who were first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, this is Luke, therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, we've been talking about this in the month of December, and I want to stop just for a second. Greetings, you who are highly favored. Whenever you hear that, you hear someone say, blessed and highly favored are you, and you always think, well, that means something special, spectacular, spine-chilling, wonderful is about to happen. That's not what it always means, and this is a good example. 
You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. You're pregnant. <laughs> highly favored. The Lord is with you. And he was. But at first, if we were in her shoes, we might go, that's what you call favored. Mary was troubled by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Of course she was. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And she says this, Mary does. How will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said this. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you've said. In Matthew, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel commanded him to do and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and they gave him the name Jesus. There are things in this text that I saw this year, you'd think after all these years, I'd see this stuff. But I guess I can be an example to you that every time you go back to the Bible, you'll find something you haven't seen before. Maybe I wasn't going to see it until I reached a certain place in my own life. Joseph was a righteous man, it says. Let's talk about him first. A righteous man. But he also understood something. And to me, I think if I've ever wondered why Joseph got selected to be in this position, to be the father that would raise God's son, I think this may have a lot to do with it. And I hadn't caught it before. Mary's engaged to Joseph while a virgin. She becomes pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Engagement in those days was a binding uh, season. You, you're, it kind of had three stages to a marriage those days. The parents would decide who you're going to marry. <laughs> I, wasn't, you know, I, I hadn't thought about that in years, but I have grandkids now, and I want to be a part of that someday. Uh, and it just annoy the fire out of them uh, when they get that age. Uh, that's what grandparents do. Uh, so there were these three phases. So the parents agree, then there's the engagement. The engagement is binding. The only way to break an engagement is to get a divorce. And then there was probably a year later, after some time had passed, there was the actual marriage ceremony, and then they would move in together, live together, and start their world and life and family together. So they're in the engagement period here. And Mary is pregnant. 
Now, Joseph is a very righteous, upstanding, respected man in the community. He's of the lineage of King David. That's a very impressive status. Let's look at Mary for just a moment. Mary was a woman also of great faith. We know that both of them really, at the end of this story, exercise tremendous faith. And it takes me to that statement in the, in the scriptures in the New Testament where, where it is said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you have to ask yourself, do you want to please God? I've always answered that question. Well, yeah, I do. But it takes faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So Mary's got this also a stellar spiritual pedigree. Her spiritual heritage was in the same lineage as Elizabeth, her cousin, who with her husband Zechariah were both from priestly families. That's impressive. That was status in those days at some level. Mary's sweet. She's young. She's innocent. She's committed to God's ways. She's told by an angel she's pregnant. She makes one of the most stunning statements in the Bible when after, being, after questioning the angels. And when she says, may it be to me as you have said, how many times have we had the opportunity to say that in past? Oh, I've done it a lot. There's times God has stretched us, stretched me, stretched this church. When instead of saying, may it be as you've said, sometimes at first I go, let me think about that. Could we find ourselves in situations at times where we just need to know we aren't going to fix this, solve this, understand it, but we believe God is in it, so may it be to me as you have said. What a great statement. What a powerful statement. Joseph had not yet heard from the angel. Let's talk about Joseph for just a minute because this is what hit me. I know you're going to think, we well, didn't take much to thrill him, but this is what got me this year. Joseph was a righteous man. Mary is pregnant. Now, he, this is, there's this little moment in here. I don't know how long it was between the time the angel told that was communicated to Joseph that Mary's pregnant and when the, he got the rest of the story. May have been a matter of minutes. I don't know. That's not the point. But when he first hears this news that she's pregnant, Joseph says he decided to divorce her. That was exactly what a righteous person would do. But you got to look at these next few words. But quietly. Quietly. There's so much in that little word. He decided to divorce her quietly. That tells us so much about Joseph that frankly, I really hadn't even thought about. You see, he divorced her quietly because what was going to happen to her being pregnant and not married was never good for the woman in that culture. Her own family could disown her. That was not uncommon. And it was some places where they would actually stone a woman who was pregnant and unmarried. It was a cruel culture. For women, frankly, in general, one of the best things that ever happened to women, I think, on the planet is Jesus himself who got this turned around as he needed to. But that was what was facing Mary, and Joseph knew that, so he wanted to divorce her quietly. He did not want to expose her to public humiliation. Why? Because he loved her. He loved her. And sometimes I think people who are Christians, I'm going to put myself in the category, thankfully I've grown out of that season where as a Christian you take your stand, and I agree we ought to take stands, we ought to be clear about what we believe, but what is it? Whoever said that as a follower of Jesus that taking a stand means I'm going to be unkind to someone in trouble? 
Now, Mary wasn't in trouble. Mary had done nothing wrong. But in that moment, in, that, in whatever it was, when he decided to divorce her, but quietly, we're seeing a man who's righteous. He believed everything about the, what he knew then of the, the Bible, of what the Torah, the Old Testament that they had, whatever pieces of the puzzle were there. He believed very strong. He's just known to be a godly man. And all too often, in that scenario, a godly man would say, have nothing to do with her. You deserve whatever punishment, whatever humiliation you get. But we've got to learn from Joseph here. He said, I'm going to divorce her quietly because I don't want her to get hurt. I don't want anybody to get a hold of her and give her what the culture would give her in this moment. You see, there's something that no wonder God asked Joseph to be the earthly father for his son. Because see, Joseph understood grace before we even knew what it was. He knew how to be firm in what he believed and gracious and loving to somebody who in the religious mindset had messed up. Thank God that moment lasted briefly because the angel came to Joseph soon and said, Joseph, don't be afraid. Take this woman home as your wife. The child within her is of the Holy Spirit. And, there's, and again, I, I interject too much my own personality, which is a, a terrible thing to do when you interject my personality into scripture because I'm twisted and all those kinds of things. And you shouldn't, but I'm so, but, but here's, if I were Joseph, I think I would have backed up and gone, I knew Mary wouldn't do that. I knew she wouldn't do that. She's not that kind of lady. I knew that. Now they both have to deal with all that comes with in any culture, it's as bizarre sounding to us today as it would have been then that they're now going to get, she's going to have this baby, then they will get married, they'll move in and be one, uh, husband and wife. And everybody's going to kind of whisper, <laughs> she said she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and Joseph bought it. There'd be all kinds of whispers. We can't, we can't act like this was just all rosy and cool and sweet. Not everybody would believe that God has the power to do that. Joseph, to me, they're both, both Mary and Joseph, they, they show us what faith looks like. And Joseph obeyed the angel. He takes Mary as his wife. He did not consummate their marriage, it says in the, in the text, until Jesus was born. What a picture of grace and faith. One more group that demonstrates this for us in this story, and that's the shepherds. We've got to talk about them for a second here. The shepherds, you have to understand, were the lowest of the low. Let me read about them from chapter two in Luke at uh, verse eight. We read the story. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find him wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem 
and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed. Shepherds were the lowest of the low, no status, never included, virtually untouchable, unclean. They were dealing with dirty sheep every day. They're tending their flocks at night because that's what they did. They had to protect the sheep from any type of a predator that might come to steal or kill a sheep, one of the lambs. So they're in their fields at night. And sheep, they might be cute, but they're pretty nasty. So these these shepherds had never been invited to much of anything because they didn't have time. Once they got deal, were dealing with the sheep they, to get cleaned up and do all the rituals you had to do to even walk into the temple, they, 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 rarely, did they make, rarely could they make the leap. They, they couldn't get from sheep to cleansing to get to the temple in time. And even if they were to walk into a temple, I, I would interject that perhaps people would look at them and go, they're shepherds, they can't be clean. They're with sheep all day. No status in this community, no respect. What's interesting is that the very ones who were raising the sheep that would be required for others to be clean, the ones raising them had difficulty doing the same. So no wonder God invites them. Of course he invites them. All of a sudden, Again, if I were one of the shepherds, I'd think, man, we don't even get allowed in the temple, but God's going to let us see something happening in a manger. You know, we all like a little status. We want to know where our standing is. You know, we know where Joseph was, where Mary's was, whenever the shepherds were, but we all like a little status somewhere. Somewhere we, we like the fact that maybe we have a little bit of an advantage or maybe we're respected or maybe we're known or maybe we're seen as good person or good this or good that. Little status is always good. I always think about status, my status, two, two times. One is when I see television shows or programs that might have a wedding going on in them, and, and the minister is always portrayed as somebody that's terribly sick and ill, pale white, looks like they can barely stand up and talk. And I'm thinking, that's what the world thinks I am. They're, they're pathetic, how they're, how they're portrayed sometimes. And the other time I, I know that, that the status might be questionable, or at least for me, is, is when I fly. I have status. I just thought it was more status than it is. So I've got a million some miles on American, and then I, because, you know, my, my family was in two different ends of the country all these years, and I'm serving on some boards and churches, and, and so I got a lot of miles, and a lot of miles on Delta, and so I was, I'm, I'm, I've achieved a status in Delta. I'm, I'm platinum platinum medallion. And I thought, this is big. This is going to be big. I'm going to be greeted by name. Uh-uh. Because what I found out is you might be platinum and, and there's two more to go. There's, I think it's silver and then gold or gold and then silver. And I'll never get there. And then there's, I just found out there's an invitation only level, Delta 360. How do I get Delta 360? Oh, you have to be invited. You know, I'll never get that invitation. I don't have that, I just, I'm not quite that status. So you start boarding. 
You know, and I'm, I'm going to wait for my status to come up. And, but before we even get to the first status, you've got the people that need help boarding. I get that. You've got military who deserve that, military personnel. Then you have like young families. And I tell you, there's been many, many times if I've seen a little lady that has trouble on a walker, I'll say, how about I help you get on the plane? <laughs> I kid you not. Last time I was flying, there was a mom, had a, probably a five-year-old in a stroller, and she was carrying another one. And I, I, part of me, I mean, this is, this is evil. Part of me said, Uncle, could I help you with your baby? I've got grandkids. I'll be happy to carry this child on this plane for you. Because I want to board early. It's not because I'm a Christian or anything. Every now and then we might get bumped on an empty plane. I might get to fly in the big seats. And of course, that when Kim and I, when we're up in first class, which is occasionally, we, we both think we need t-shirts on that say, crossings does not pay for first class seats. <laughs> we, we get a Wall Street Journal and get it up high so whoever's coming on can't see us because we think, oh, they'll think we're spending the church's money. We're not. Church doesn't buy first class tickets. I thought I had status to just get one. We all want to be important somewhere. We want to make a contribution. We want to be viewed as good and kind. But we're talking about shepherds who weren't viewed in any positive way imaginable. Shepherds never got invited to anything because they dealt with sheep every day. And the purification standards to get to the temple were something the shepherds could rarely aspire to. In other words, there was no status in their community. They were in contact daily with dirty, smelly sheep, manure, blood from cuts and scrapes and insects. So, you know, you get the picture. It was going to be pretty tough for them to ever get clean. And here's where it really bugs me. I know a lot of people who thought they'd try church or try Christianity. And they tried it and then they found out that there were some hoops they'd have to jump through if they were going to be a part. One thing that shocks people, they say, how do I join Crossing? I go, you just show up. How do I become a member? Well, you just show up. There's no paperwork. I mean, you got a little bit just to make you feel better, but I've known too many people, so many have come through our doors here and into our Get to Know Us events who said, I left the church 20 years ago because it was clear I wasn't worthy enough. I wasn't good enough. I'd never be clean enough. I hear that all the time. What is going on with that? Where is that possibly biblical? And I found it interesting. The very people who would just love to find someone who cares. They need a Joseph He'll say, come on in. They need a Mary. Hey, anything's possible. Come on in. What I want you to know this Christmas, if you're nothing else, everybody's invited. I think Joseph was probably, you know, I would surmise that Joseph was called to be the father and raise this child, Jesus, because Joseph understood love at a level that most didn't get then. I think Mary was chosen to possibly be the mother of Jesus because Mary had faith and she would know every day that the community may look at her strange, may discount her life, 
and they think there's some awful secret, but she knows the truth. I think the shepherds got invited because Jesus would use the analogy over and over and over and over that he's the shepherd and we're the sheep and the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's what a shepherd does. Jesus didn't come as a king. He came as a shepherd, as a savior to serve and love and show us what it was supposed to be like. And everybody is invited Everybody, you may not want to be invited. You may not respond to the invitation, but you are invited, everybody. There's not a person in this world, in this room, in this city. There's no one that has not been invited. Some may not know they've been invited, but just get clear, everybody has been invited. If you think you're not there, you, you, it's, I just want to set, set it straight for you. Everybody's invited, that's what the shepherds remind us of every time we come to this story. Every time. Let me tell you the truth about our shepherd Jesus. This shepherd never mentions the type of quality of sheep he demands. The shepherd never holds auditions. The shepherd never bases their protection and love and concern for their sheep on how the sheep look or feel or behave. That's never mentioned as a basis for belonging to the flock of the good shepherd. Those are just things we've created as a basis for belonging because grace is just too offensive. Grace is just too hard to take on some level because we think that if it's free, it must be worthless. So we've made the church into a high commission on sheep behavior and worthiness. That is not of Jesus. Isaiah 53 in the Old Testament Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. But he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed. All of us have strayed away like sheep. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the penalty of all that. The perfect spotless lamb of God took on himself all of our messes and he made us spotless and perfect in his eyes. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus that whoever believes in him will never die but have eternal life. And so we come to the Christ child as sheep a bit confused, thankful to be included, unsure of what it all means, but all we do know for sure is we were invited. You're all invited. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you for a reminder in these verses of your love for us and the extent you went to to prove that to us, to show that to us. The depth of your love is hard to fathom and impossible humanly, but Lord, we thank you for the assurance we get over and over and over that you love us and you have something so much better for what we often settle for. How we thank you for this Christmas. Lord, increase our faith. 
may it be to us as you have said. And Father, may we, without one moment's reservation, fall into your arms, knowing we've been invited and welcomed and loved. In Jesus' name.